Welcome to the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. I'm Danny Sheriff, your host, certified fertility awareness practitioner, functional nutrition counselor, and founder of the HA Society, and of course, an HA recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice. So please seek the advice of your physician. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much In this 60-minute masterclass, y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass Or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hey everyone, welcome back to the HA podcast. I'm joined today by our returning guest, Emily Everton. She owns Embody Physical Therapy and Wellness. She is a PT. Um, She's also a student in our HAP program. So I feel like I've gotten to know her quite a bit. We've had um, a number of awesome conversations and I trust deeply in her knowledge. And I know that she is still working her way kind of into the field specifically of HA and like bringing it more into her current practice. 
but she's really knowledgeable about a lot of things that are relevant to us, but that we haven't had a lot of people on here talking about. Um, a lot of little things like reds, musculoskeletal health, the nervous system, um, so much more. So I wanted to let Emily say hi. Hello, welcome. Hi, Danny. Thanks for having me back. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Um, we have a whole other episode with you on it, which people can totally go back and and listen to, but that one was more your, your recovery story. This today is more about in practice and what, um, what you can teach us from a physiological standpoint, which is really exciting. So would you dive in a little bit to sort of who you are, what you do, how you got to who you are and what you do? And then we can kind of talk about more nerdy things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am a physical therapist, a women's health physical therapist. And um, the journey that kind of brought me to starting my own practice is quite long, so I'll make it pretty as concise as possible. But I touched upon this with my last podcast with you too. Um, so I know I give a little bit more of my background there. But yeah, so I originally started working as a PT in general orthopedics and outpatient practice. And um, I was really specializing in dance medicine. And I was also our go-to PT to work with our women's health clients um, at a certain point. So the um, pregnancy, postpartum, and women coming in with different conditions similar to that. So throughout my time working as a PT, I started to see more and more patients coming to me with um, overuse injuries, repetitive bone stress injuries, or stress fractures, um, histories of menstrual um, missing periods or hypothalamic amenorrhea or relative energy deficiency in sport. And it started to occur to me, you know, there's a bunch of wonderful things we can do as a, from a physical therapy standpoint to serve this population. But the model I was, I was working in at the time didn't really allow me to explore kind of, you know, explore treatment from this holistic approach that I feel that this population really benefits from and needs. Um, if we're thinking about a root cause approach, if we're just, if we're just um, looking at biomechanics or strength or the typical things that we tend to think of when we think of physical therapy, we're really missing, missing the mark on what the underlying root cause is to some of these conditions. So um, pairing that with my lived experience with hypothalamic amenorrhea, a difficult relationship with food, exercise in my body, um, and with what I was seeing and this growing passion from the clinic, I decided to open my own practice. And it's been a really wonderful ride. Um, been about like five to six months. So I'm still, I consider myself a baby business owner, but it's been the absolute best decision I've ever made. I don't regret it for a second. And I now work with women on the virtual side of things in a women's health coaching role and also do brick and mortar. So in-person work. Amazing. I love that. Why do you think there is a, a gap? Like you were saying that there's a gap that needs filling. What are your thoughts on like where that's coming from? Yeah, so I think, you know, I'm sure many um, healthcare professionals can relate to this in their own schooling, but coming from physical therapy standpoint, you know, it, we do have to get our doctorate. So I went to four years of undergrad and then three years of grad school to get my doctorate in physical therapy. And I think, you know, our programs do the best with, you know, the time that we're allotted and really trying to cover all of the basics. But 
we're not educated nearly enough, and maybe that's changed since I've been in school, but about women's health um, issues. You know, I think we had like a one or two day, like one to two hour class on the pelvic floor. And um, maybe there was like one mention of the female athlete child at the time, but we didn't talk about eating disorders. We didn't talk about the menstrual cycle. We didn't talk about these things that you know, every single woman experiences like having a menstrual cycle. Um, and so you really have to seek out that information on your own after school with mm -hmm. continuing education. So I think that's where the gap is. I think there's been a bunch of wonderful research coming out and more providers getting into this space. Wow. Okay. Helpful. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging my question that I don't, I just, I'm not in that field and I, I don't know a lot of people in that field. So yeah, it's interesting. Since I don't know a lot of people in that field, I'm excited to kind of pick your brain a little bit on topics that I know are very related to what we do, but they're not talked about as much in like the HA recovery space, but they're talked about heavily in like sports, physical therapy, physiotherapy, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, we don't talk about red S a lot. Yeah. But I do get the question of like, is it the same thing? Um, is HA just a symptom within reds? Talk to us about reds. And if you have any like thoughts or even stats, you might not, but thoughts on how many people are dealing with HA and how many people are dealing with reds sort of that you see in the field like do you see someone hear their story and categorize them you know what I mean yeah I love that question and it's something that I have gotten in the past as well so this diff differentiation between reds relative energy deficiency in sport and HA and are they one and the same or are they different so um quick answer is no, they're not the same. They are different. Um, so when we're thinking of reds, it's more, um, so it's this under, it's this condition characterized by low energy availability. And if we're looking at HA, low energy availability is definitely underpinning, you know, it's like the, the basis for hypothalamic amenorrhea, but with reds, a woman or, or man, because reds impacts men as well. Um, it, you can have a missing period. So you can have hypothalamic amenorrhea, but not everyone with REDS also has a missing period or also has HA. Um, so I hope that answers your question there. In terms of what I think to be more common, I personally think from what I've seen um, in my work and just the research that REDS is heavily um, prevalent in the athletic community and even more prevalent in sports that place an emphasis on physical appearance. So dance, gymnastics, long distance running, um, track and field, figure skating, and those types of sporting activities. Um, whereas hypothalamic amenorrhea, I also think this is way more common than people give it credit for. And we know that there's a spectrum. So this HA spectrum that people can fall on as well. Um, and yeah, I think the rates of HA are really, really common as well too, but they're not necessarily one in the same. Mm, yeah. And that whole like men can have reds is a huge distinguishing factor. And I think, uh, yeah, say what you're going to say. 
it is a distinguishing factor. And I also think that men might go like fly under the radar. Although my specialty is in women's health, I don't, um, you know, work with men in that capacity. A lot of men, you know, suffer from reds as well, but they don't have, you know, the periods to say, like to diagnose them with low testosterone or these other things that are impacting their health. It's usually once they have a stress fracture or some type of injury where further testing is done to diagnose them. Yeah. Yeah. I think like um, in certain sports or maybe even in all sports, reds would be a, considered a spectrum, right? Of like how, when it comes to athletes or just very active people, I mean, how many people do you think are walking around in perfect shape where like their, their level of, I mean, that's a broad question. And it depends on how much they're training and stuff, but we're just seeing so much overtraining so much like more is better culture so much like, um, you know, well, like I train, I'm training while you're taking a day off kind of thing. And I feel like there's just no way that everyone's in tip top shape. And there's this seems to be this like a belief that, um, that person running, going for a run right now is like healthier and fitter than me. But sometimes I wonder if that's a complete falsehood. What's your take? Oh my gosh. Yes. It's, it's rampant. And again, I think there's like, there's more people speaking up about this, you know, more professional athletes coming and speaking out about this too, but um, it's just, it's so prevalent. And I think a lot of times like what you were just talking about, we often think like more is better. More is just more. It doesn't mean better, especially when it comes to um, exercise and movement. Um, But yeah, I mean, at my last job, I was working primarily um, with dancers and I was, you know, in the dance medicine field. And I just saw it so, so, so frequently. And, you know, there's so many like subtleties that we can put together and realize like there's something more going on here. So for example, um, if a dancer or I'm just using dancer as an example, but an athlete is starting to notice that their performance is going down, they're getting more like small nagging injuries. They're not recovering like they used to. They're not sleeping through the night like they used to. They're more fatigued. Um, They're having digestive issues. Um, for dancers, they are having a hard time keeping up with choreography, staying focused, um, balance and neuromuscular control. So there's so many things that can kind of like tap us in, tap us into what could be going on under the hood for um, lack of better terms. But yeah, I think it's really common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in terms of like the menstrual cycle and even in those who are cycling, are you looking at that much with your own clients as like a tool um, in your practice or sort of how do you as a practitioner um, help and address women's hormonal health? How is that kind of coming into play for you? Yeah. So I have always asked about um, women's menstrual health, like since I've become a physical therapist, but definitely over the last year is where I've really um, been deep diving into the um, hormonal health side of things. But so any women that I work with, um, girl or woman, I am asking them about their menstrual cycle. Have they 
approach manarchy? Did, have they had their first period? What do their periods look like? Are they tracking their periods? Um, do they have heavy, painful periods? Do they have irregular periods? So um, I do this with all of my clients, both my in-person clients who are coming to me for, say, hip pain or shoulder pain. I ask them about their menstrual cycle. Um, and those who I see in more of a coaching capacity and I'm working with them on HA or menstrual health or fertility. Um, and then when it comes to like deep diving into the hormonal side of things, I really take a holistic approach to care. So sometimes these things organically come out, come up in conversation with women I'm working with. And we're just putting all of the pieces of the puzzle together because no system works in isolation. Hormones don't work in a vacuum. Nothing in the human body works in a vacuum. So wow. um, yeah. So some of the work that I'm really excited to be getting more into is the fertility side of things as a pelvic um, pelvic health physical therapist. So, and, you know, combining that with my work as a women's health coach and specifically with HA. So in terms of the fertility clients that I will see, we're definitely talking about hormonal health and, um, there are actually manual interventions. So like gynovisceral, abdominal, visceral mobilizations that we can do to address things like inflammation, um, adhesions from previous abdominal or pelvic surgeries. Um, we can, you know, impact things from a manual standpoint, like ovulatory disturbances. So PCOS or these other inflammatory conditions. Um, so we're definitely having the conversation when it comes to hormone health and fertility. Okay. And so oh, you had said something that made me want to like do the perfect transition into sort of my next question. Oh. Well, anyway, it'll come back to me, but so you have, you're having these con like you're connecting with your clients to a point where like, it's inevitably going to become becoming up in conversation because you're talking about the body and trying to like connect reasons why people are moving wrong or feeling pain or having, you know, maybe even like more swelling on some days than other days. Like I can see how there'd be so many reasons why it would be um, applicable that there we go. This is my question. It just came to me. <laughs> came to you. Yeah. So what are the things exactly? What are some of the things exactly? Because it's probably a long list that are making you curious in a patient about their menstrual health, right? So where are symptoms and issues showing up in the type of work you do? that's helping you connect the dots to some like deeper underlying health and health issue. And another way to kind of ask this question is just like, why is what you do related so much to our audience? To, sorry, I, I, you chopped out that last part. Why is my work related to what? why is like the work that you do or why are you seeing it so strongly connected to this audience? Yeah. Um, again, I love this question. So that's kind of what this past year years have been is making these little interweb, like spider web of seeing all these connections. And it's kind of my, um, work right now is trying to bring more awareness to this and how everything is connected. So, um, in terms of 
again, I'm going to try to make this concise, but there's a, there are a few over more than a few overlaps, but so in terms of women I'm seeing with pelvic floor um, dysfunction or pelvic floor concerns, things such as like frequent UTIs or frequent infections or urinary urgency, urinary incontinence, that essentially mm. leaking, um, inability to hold in urine, um, constipation, vaginal or vulvar dryness, pain with sex, low libido, those are just some of the symptoms that can come up. And I ask, are people coming to you with an assumption that it's a like anatomical or physical issue or are people like kind of clued in that this could be hormonal? Because my intuition tells me they're going to a PT. They think this is a physical problem. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's mixed. So some people will come say, if their doctor is saying you need to check out pelvic floor PT and they're not, what I will say is a lot of people aren't fully aware as to how a pelvic floor PT is going to help them. There's a lot of education that comes with it, but I will say that these symptoms are not only a hormone, a hormone oh, yeah. times, you know, it's, um, again, it's, it's taking a holistic approach. It's looking at the different body systems and doing a thorough objective assessment in terms of like looking at those physical things and then also deeper diving. And if we don't do that deeper dive, if we don't ask those questions about the menstrual cycle, if we don't peel back the layers, we're really doing women a disservice and we're only going to get so far in terms of helping them with these unwanted symptoms. Um, so those are symptoms that I frequently see. And I think one of the most interesting things in terms of the research and the overlap is that the hormonal profile of hypothalamic amenorrhea really mirrors that of a postmenopausal woman. So mm. a lot of overlap. And I know we talk about this and in the HAP and everything. Um, but you know, those unwanted symptoms of like hot flashes and, um, poor sleep and fatigue and digestive dysfunction and, you know, the painful sex and the dryness and all of these things, there's a lot of overlap and there's even overlap once a woman is going through recovery and coming out of that low energy availability state. So it's just kind of like being the detective, staying curious and asking all the questions. And this doesn't happen in like one session. It's kind of session by yeah. session to peel back more layers of the onion, but it's like so fascinating to create these connections. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing? And these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing, whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body, or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food, and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and how are they potentially 
affecting your recovery today. So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect and then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery. So to get the checklist, all you have to do is go to the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you. You can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the hasociety.com forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there. Yeah. Tell me more about um, abdominal and pelvic floor health and how like, what does everyone kind of need to know? Who needs to be doing this? Um, is there anything about HA that you feel like those types of treatments are particularly helpful for? Or do you need a certain level of like um, recovery for those things to be beneficial? Yeah. So um, again, I love this question. I would say if we're talking about just HA recovery, and simply as restoring period, restoring ovulation, certainly physical therapy and this manual work is just going to be one adjunct and is going to be helpful to help manage and address some of the unwanted or uncomfortable symptoms that can accompany HA recovery. So the abdominal and the pelvic work is not necessarily going to bring your period back. It's not going to bring your period back. You need to do the other work. But um, abdominal and pelvic mobilization, um, pelvic floor mobilization can be really helpful to address some of those uncomfortable symptoms that can coincide with HA recovery. So for example, um, one thing that we'll see is digestive dysfunction and bloating, um, constipation. So symptoms like that. So where we can address this as a woman's health, pelvic floor, physical therapist is by doing some abdominal mobilizations, helping with that colonic transit. So helping um, aid in digestion, even doing things just like deep breathing and working on good diaphragm excursion. Um, sometimes I put a recent post on Instagram, actually, I think yesterday on the um, symptoms or side effects of constantly like corsetting our abdomen in or holding our stomach in and um, tensing our abs all the time, which can be really common when we have these body image concerns or a poor relationship with our body. That secondarily things that can happen secondary to doing that is it can push our diaphragm up. It can make it really hard for our diaphragm to kind of come down and get a deep breath in. And that will one, you know, delay the emptying through our intestines and getting the food to kind of go through the digestive tract. And also it impairs our ability to stimulate the vagus nerve, which is imperative for tapping into our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest, digest, feed, breed system. So that's just one example of the ways in which we can help. Are you cringing hard at all of the people doing corsetting again? I am. Yes, I try. I try so hard not to, 
you know, make any judgments. And I always like to tell myself when you know better, you do better. And we're just all doing the best with the knowledge we have. And um, in terms of the course setting and people investing in those, honestly, it's just a product of our really, really the unsustainable standards in our society. And it makes it really hard for, you know, women to feel comfortable in their own bodies. I recently heard um, on a podcast, someone say, trying to recover from an eating disorder in today's society is like an individual with alcoholism trying to recover living in a bar. And it's just like, so true. Everywhere you go, it's not fair. You can't just like leave. You can't just avoid that place. No. So I try to approach everything with compassion and know, you know, that was me at one stage in my life. You know, I was constantly like sucking in and holding tension and, you know, other things that can accompany that is pressure down onto your pelvic floor. So, you know, leakage and feeling pressure and heaviness and prolapse and a whole slew of things. So it's just like goes to show everything's connected. Yeah. Okay. Really interesting. Thank you. Okay. And so what about HA and eating disorders associated with like the abdominal wall and pelvic health? Um, Because you kind of talked about like walking, you know, the corsets and walking around like that. Um, And you mentioned how these symptoms can come up, um, like leakage and things like that. But was that an exhaustive list of the types of like conditions that we see in the HA space and what is associated yeah Do you know what I mean it's yeah abdominal wall. Mm-hmm. it's definitely not an exhaustive list so I did talk about like the slow digestion so gastroparesis which can be you know something that women with eating disorders experience and when I talk mm. about eating disorders I always want to make the distinction and put that out there that not every woman with hypothalamic amenorrhea has an eating disorder mm-hmm. just like not every woman with an eating disorder has um, hypothalamic amenorrhea Um, which, you know, sometimes can be something that delays people reaching out for help because they don't feel like they're sick enough if they don't, you know, if they still have a period. So I like to make that distinction when I do talk about um, eating disorders, but, um, so gastroparesis, those abdominal and visceral mobilizations can be really helpful, especially say if someone is, um, an individual is navigating eating disorder recovery and that constipation, the bloating, the digestive dysfunction, um, the digestive you know, dysfunction, I guess I'll say, is really hindering their ability to progress forward in their eating disorder recovery. That's going to go for hypothalamic amenorrhea too. You know, I'm sure, Danny, you've seen this time and time again, those digestive symptoms can be really unpleasant and really make people question their path to HA recovery and whether or not they're doing the right thing and make it hard to eat more food. Um, And then when it comes to things like constipation, it's going to be, you know, similar to that and kind of taking a look at what does hydration look like? What is, um, you know, all of what are the other lifestyle considerations? What do those look like? Because constipation is not only going to cause, you know, discomfort and for women experiencing it. We also know that regular bowel movements are really helpful for our hormones. And if we're not kind of excreting that waste, that's going to you know, give like a feedback and a feed forward, um, kind of loop there when it comes to constipation. Mm, Yeah. Really common. And I want, oh yeah. I was just going to mention, I think one other thing I want to mention there is just, 
anxiety and how that can manifest in this population. Um, anxiety can really upregulate that nervous system. And we see pretty commonly in individuals who suffer with greater anxiety, a lot of pelvic floor hypertonicity. So increased tension through the pelvic floor. Um, oftentimes, if you find that you clench your jaw, you might have temporomandibular or TMJ dysfunction. I do. Um, <laughs> you're holding tension in your shoulders, you're likely yeah. also going to be holding tension in your pelvic floor. So there's fascial connections through those regions of the body and anxiety or anything that, that puts that nervous system on like fight or flight mode can impact the pelvic floor. And that is a huge thing in women with hypophlegmic amenorrhea. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I wanted to ask those questions first before sort of funneling us into fertility. I just felt like that was a solid um, order, you know, HA, symptoms. Now, in, now, fertility and infertility, from your standpoint and what you do, how are, how are you seeing fertility issues come up with all of this in mind? Like how is pelvic floor health? How is physical movement impacting fertility and of course HA like sort of inability to menstruate at all and what how are you, how do you help people with that yeah so this is like my latest thing that I am just deep diving into and really because you know, as I coursed through my own journey with hypophlegmic amenorrhea and got into hypo coaching women with hypophlegmic amenorrhea and, you know, trying to build that, I just realized like, wow, this is actually like overlapping with my work as a pelvic floor PT. And there's other ways that I can help women with fertility or in, you know, battling infertility too. So it's just been really exciting for me. Um, and so if we're talking about Hypophlegmic amenorrhea, I do, again, want to go back to that distinction. You do have to go through all of the necessary steps of, you know, addressing the food and diet, addressing stress, ad addressing your relationship to movement um, in terms of like coming from that physical therapy perspective. That's something that we can really help with, help these women with is reestablishing their mind body connection helping them um, heal their relationship with movement. How can we, you know, restore that connection to your body? Not in a way that we're trying to change your body, but in a way that makes you feel empowered, helps your nervous system come down and relax and is doing good for your body and not, you know, maybe sending us in a direction that isn't the best for our health. So when it comes to that, that can be like pivotal for women with HA. And we know that if you have HA, you're not fertile, you are, you are infertile. So um, restoring that period and restoring ovulation is going to be really important. So the nervous system work can be really helpful. The movement, that mind-body connection, um, the abdominal, vis the abdominal mobility, mobilizations and working on gut health can be really important because of that vagus nerve and the gut brain connection. Um, and then moving into other fertility considerations, the, the manual work that we do can help to address inflammation. We can do uterine and ovarian mobilizations, which is really cool um, in terms of 
if a woman is having painful sex and unable to even have sexual intercourse um, to get pregnant, we can do pelvic floor manual therapy. So trying to address hypertonicity through the pelvic floor, if that's what's happening. Some women have a condition known as vaginismus, where it's hard for them to insert tampons or do any penetration. And so that's a lot of work um, down-regulating that nervous system, showing the body, you know, we're safe, doing a lot of mindset work, and then also working from a manual perspective of trying to get those muscles to relax and stop, you know, reactively tightening. Yeah, that's so, so fascinating to me. You know, there's a part of me, and I think it's a slightly biased from my own experience with trying to like resolve injuries and issues mm-hmm. where I have had very little success, you know, on those things, but totally unrelated to this issue, right? Like like a knee issue, you know, or so, you know, like elbow or something like that, um, where sort of traditional physical therapy didn't help me. And I think that's a really common, I see that a lot in clients, Um, but pelvic floor work did help me postpartum. I had extremely painful sex, right? Um, I just absolutely not. Like I didn't, no, (laughs) I didn't have sex for over a year. It was so painful, right? And to be told like, you know, by the midwives and stuff, like the six week checkup, it looks fine. There's just like a little bit of scar tissue from like the stitches, but you should like, I don't think you're feeling what I'm feeling. (laughs) And so I went and I did do a form of PT that resolved it in like six weeks or something like that. So it totally took that, um, that persistence and that focus but it was really like my first proper view at how with the dedication and the right help um, you can change your experience with like your insides um, in that way. And it's made me like really more open and so much more curious about how does manual therapy and corrective exercise and things like actually change our experience in our body because if you have ha from like an over exercise like consider yourself an athlete type of thing as well there's no way you're feeling relaxed <laughs> there's no way you don't have like a tension issue somewhere that's impacting you um i think the lesson for me was like it takes a lot more than just showing up to an appointment once a week <laughs> and like hoping someone will fix you you know, you have to kind of keep, you have to do the freaking corrective exercises that none of us want to be doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we hate it, but it, you know, if you can, if you can dedicate yourself to it and find a knowledgeable practitioner, right? Like not someone who's where you're just an appointment on their calendar so that they can claim insurance. Yeah. Like I don't know about your perspective, but I think that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, there's some really juicy, interesting stuff to be found through what you do. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating. I love that you think it's fascinating too. And I also just want to um, thank you for sharing that because I think the more vulnerable we can be and talk about these things, like 
for example, you stating you couldn't have sex because it was so painful for a year. Women need to hear this. Like women are experiencing this and so many women are experiencing this. And it's so related to shame, right? To say like, I was so embarrassed all my other mom friends, Mm -hmm. you know, to say, because you don't want to, you don't want to be that real, that couple that couldn't, that never had sex again after they had a baby. There's so much shame and embarrassment around that. Um, really is. Do you have the book come as you are? Have you read it? Do I need it? Highly, highly recommend. You need it. Yes. I have been considering lately, I'm going to just order a bunch of copies and start giving them to my clients when I start working with new, like as I'm working with a new client. Um, My practice is low volume in product of what I'm aiming for because I am not within the health insurance model. And I really value giving that one-on-one very individualized custom care. So I'm like, every single woman I work with needs this book. Um, it is just such an empowering book. I highly recommend it for you. And I definitely would have recommended it back then as well. But, um, and the second thing I wanted to comment on is just, I'm sorry for your experience with, you know, being told six weeks, you're ready to go. It's, unfortunately so common and again I think this is something that we're seeing we're seeing progress with and we're seeing change and there's way more pelvic PTs than there ever have been um and I just feel like it should be mandatory after you have a baby whether it's cesarean section or vaginal delivery you have to see a pelvic floor PT and and y'all pro tip too, they have wait lists because it's very, at least like your local ones that take insurance kind of thing. Um, so the rec, like you're too tired to go. This is the issue is like, you're too tired. You've just had a baby. You don't be making an appointment. You don't be getting your insurance caught out. Like there's barriers. So like have, uh, have your husband schedule it, make it his job or have, cause you also need a referral, I think, or at least in some States. It's like, there's a whole process in Texas. I had to get a referral from my doctor or my midwife. So they're just put there's barriers in the way. So I think like you have to organize that before baby comes and put it on the schedule. So in Massachusetts, we're luckily direct access. So you don't need a doctor's referral to go to PT. However, especially because I do not accept insurance, um, I can submit super bills to individuals insurances for reimbursement, but I am an out-of-network provider, so we don't have those barriers. What I will say is that's a that's a really great point that you made. Um, you know, it's hard for postpartum women to get to their PT appointments. And so, like for me, I do travel to some of my clients. And, you know, I think finding someone who will help you break down those barriers and will help you find a realistic, you know, something that's realistic that's going to work for you is so important. This is just something I want to put out there. If you ever feel shame or guilt from your provider, you know, perhaps it's that you haven't gotten to your exercises or you, you know, couldn't be as consistent as you wanted to be, find a different provider because you should never feel shame in your healing journey. You need to find someone who's going to meet you where you're at and empower you and understand that things are going to come up. And especially for women navigating HIV recovery, infertility, postpartum, it is a trying, vulnerable time. You need someone who's going to be on your team and work, walk that journey with you and stay curious and, you know, not induce any shame on you. Yeah, so true. Do you do um, over the, like over Zoom online 
appointments? Like if you can't get to someone's house or they can't come to you? Yep, I do. So that's a little bit trickier in terms of crossing straight state lines. So um, I can't do skilled physical therapy. I can't provide that for individuals who reside outside of Massachusetts. Um, There are, you know, there is the coaching aspect and it's funny you ask that because I have had uh, some women reach out asking recently, women with hypothalamic amenorrhea who kind of want to blend the two. Um, Mm. There's definitely like general guidelines and like from a coaching perspective, things that we can address. Of course, they can't do manual interventions through the screen, but there are ways that we can address your questions or at least do consults to so I can help you kind of get your get you in the right hands of care. There are wonderful support groups I'm part of, so I'm always open to chat with women and um, try to find a provider that's local to them as well. Yeah, it's really well. Cool. Listen, any of you guys in Massachusetts, you know, um, if your goal is to get pregnant, bookmark Emily's page and just like you have a solid person in your corner when the time comes. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank you for that shout out. Um, I think one more thing that I, I wanted to mention too, I don't know if you have other questions as well, Danny, but is on the fertility side of things, something that I'm, I'm seeing, um, and I'm sure you're seeing this as well is just the number of women who go to say their OBGYN and then are sent to a reproductive endocrinologist and find themselves in the hands of a fertility doctor, um, are being told that their unexplained infertility, you know, they have to jump straight to assistive reproductive technologies or IVF or something of that nature. Oh. And especially oh. for women with HA, it honestly breaks my heart. You know, I've seen over five different doctors um, just within the last two to three years. I've been told I'm probably never going to get, I was told I'm probably never going to get my period back on my own. My husband and I aren't going to get pregnant um, over a glass of wine. I've been told all of the things and it breaks my heart to know that so many women are being told the same things. But for me, since I'm a healthcare professional and I'm you know educated on this, I don't take those answers. I got my period back. I'm ovulating. I don't, you know, you can, there are other, are there answers out there for you? And even if you do decide that that's what's best for you and your family, there are ways that can, that, that we can help. So from, again, the manual side of things, there are ways that pelvic floor PTs can help, but also from the emotional side and really making sure that your health, you know, all of the buckets of your health are being addressed before you jump to those fertility um, treatments or during your fertility treatments to improve the outcomes. Um, you know, there's research to support that you should really only induce ovulation in women with hypothalamic amenorrhea if they have a BMI of at least 18.5 or greater. I still think that's very low, but if you're not working to restore energy balance and you're not putting the steps to recover from HA um, in place while you're navigating these fertility treatments, chances are you might be spending a lot of money and really going through an emotional journey and not get the outcome that you're looking for. So I just want to point that out too. Yeah. It's so, it's so incorrect how to tell the vast majority of women that they're never going to be able to resolve issues like this on their own, Mm -hmm. that it makes you almost lose trust in like, you know, what other medical specialties are misguided in what they're saying. Like I can't trust anyone. And now I become like a tin foil hat person 
the medical industry, but you know, maybe there's a, a healthy amount of that. I kind of, I hope I fall in between where it's like, I will now go to the doctor for their opinion, but then find multiple others and form my own versus this culture we've rate we've been in we've been brought up in of like just put it in their hands and then follow their instructions no matter what and be like oh well okay then like yeah you have to have that curiosity and don't be afraid to ask questions too again going back to something I mentioned earlier I try I always try to believe this because I don't want to get too sad about you know the 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 standard of care out there but I try to believe that everyone, every doctor is just doing the best with what, with the knowledge they have. And when you know better, you do better. So I think some of us other health professionals who are kind of, um, you know, seeing these things, one of our missions is to get in front of some of these doctors and just provide a little bit more education to whether or not they want to hear it. It's still helpful. Um, just to, you know, we can all, we can all improve, you know, the profession as a whole, improve the medical and, you know, the medical profession as a whole, medical professions. And it's just been fun kind of branching more into this integrative and holistic approach to care. And I truly believe it's what all women need and deserve. Yeah. I love that take. I love your positive, like everyone's doing the best they can um, attitude. It's so true. Like if doctors had did know this information, they would say it. It's just that it's missing, right? And so it's our job to fill that gap. And so I appreciate people like you out there who are going to be, um, I know you're kind of new to this side of the world, um, like incorporating this into your practice and as a baby business owner, but it will, will not be long before there's like some amazing changes and lives that you've been able to impact and I know from experience too that like that is the ultimate goal so where can people um learn more about you where do you think the best place for them to start um kind of keeping in touch with you would be yeah so I'm most active on Instagram I'm at emilyeverton.dpt I don't really show up on um, too many other platforms. I only have the capacity to really focus on Instagram, although I do have a threads and I love a good hot take and just kind of showing up real. Um, So I am on threads as well. I can also be reached through my website. That's embodyptwell.com. And there's contact forms there that can link you right up to my email too. Um, so those are probably the best ways to find me. Love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us and putting a bit of knowledge in everyone's ear about how, um, you know, PT and manual work is important and how just maybe even just have helped some people connect dots between some symptoms they're experiencing and how they can be connected. And cause dude, this is all connected. Like you said earlier, nothing in the body is happening in a vacuum right and you know realistically like you have to sort of start addressing the body as like one big environment that you're trying to heal versus like just this one I get my period back thing like maybe your back pain is slightly related to like the whole picture and um yeah we need to start start seeing things that way so I really appreciate your time I hope everyone goes over and gives you a follow and checks stuff out. 
And we'll see all you guys next week for another episode. See you then. Bye. Bye. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about TempDrop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping. But once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period, and if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons, like HA recovery, making sure your cycle is not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code so just go to tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code afha society i think too if you just go to tempdrop.com and and use um, afha society at the checkout that will work too so happy temping and good luck This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA, 
And add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural. This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily so if you do that you're doing a service to all of the women